while. What's going on, guys? I love you guys, and I'm, I'm excited to be here. I know I say this every Sunday, that I'm excited about the sermon, but, but I really am. I'm excited about this sermon. I get excited about all of it, man. I get excited when I'm talking about Jesus, when I'm hearing about Jesus. We have something to be excited about. When we come into the house, this house, we're not praising and worshiping each other. We're not praising and worshiping some goofy dude up on the stage, man. We are praising and worshiping Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, our Savior, the one who has set us free. That is something to be excited about. I want you to know that there's freedom in this house. If you get excited, that is okay. You have something to be excited about. So if God prompts you to raise your hand, give him a shout out. You're not gonna, you know, you're not you're not gonna distract me of anything. We're gonna encourage each other. So that's fine. If you don't want to, that's also fine. But I just want you to know it's a free house. It's a free house to worship, to praise God, and to get excited about what God is doing in your life and what God is doing in this church. So guys, with that said, let's uh let's dive in here. So far, um, um, we've gone through this radical sermon series. Radical. And today we're gonna be ending that sermon series with a sermon titled Radical Perseverance. Radical Perseverance. So far we've hit on uh, the sermon Radical God, talking about how the God of the impossible lives in us and wants to work in radical ways in and through our lives. And then last week we hit on a sermon called Radical Pursuit. Radical Pursuit, where we learned how um, we are called to radically pursue God with everything in us, even if, regardless of what may come our way, we radically pursue Christ because he has radically pursued us. And today, again, the sermon title is Radical Perseverance, and this will end our radical sermon series. The big idea today is as Christians, we radically pursue, or we radically persevere by keeping our eyes on the prize. As Christians, we radically persevere by keeping our eyes on the prize. An example of somebody that perseveres in big ways. When I think of somebody that perseveres here on earth in big ways, it, it, I think of a professional athlete like an Olympian. These guys, man, they, they train all the time. All the time. A lot of times we give these guys slack. We think, well, you know, they get paid too much or, you know, they, they have too much fame or force. And I'm not going to get into all that, but I will say at the end of the day, these guys put so much more into what they do, into their sport, than we see or we give them credit for. It is a 24-7 training. This isn't just a one, two-hour deal that you see on TV. It is constant. It is diligent. Everything they are doing, even in the off-season, everything that they do, even the things they put into their body, it's numbered. It's counted. They know what it is. They know what the reason they're putting it for the, in their body for. It's the calories, the carbs, the sugars, whatever it may be. Even... Their mindset, their mental focus, seeing themselves crossing the finish line, you know, trying to figure out ways, how can I better focus? How can I better see and envision myself going through that finish line, knocking that homer outside of the park, dunking that basketball, whatever it is. Everything they do, every decision that they make in life is how can this help me? Is this going to help me with my goals or is this going to hurt me? They, they don't go into the gym trying to just lift the easiest weight that they can or doing the easiest exercise that they can. It's not like that dude when you go into the gym, and I'm sure a lot of you guys have seen this guy, where you go in, you're maybe on the treadmill or you're trying to you know, bust out your weight. For me, it's like a five pounder. Um, you know, I'll get there eventually. But you got this dude that comes up, stands right next to you, and he's looking in the mirror, checking himself out, like, like flexing in the mirror. And you're like, I'm literally right here. I'm two feet away. What are you doing? This is just awkward, man. Can you not take that stuff back to your house? Like, go on your Hercules wannabe. You look like a smelly barbarian to me. But anyways, if you guys do that, please don't do that. Please don't do it next to me. It's just awkward, man. It's so weird. It seems like it goes on forever. But, but guys, the thing is, these professional athletes, they take it seriously. 
They take it very seriously. They are diligent about what they are doing. They are intentional about what they are doing. They are digging in. They are pushing their bodies to the limit because you don't just you don't get stronger by just doing what you can handle. You don't get stronger by just lifting what you can handle. You get stronger by pushing your body, willing your body to the limit so that you can handle more. That's how we get stronger. That's how we get stronger. When I was, uh, when I was in the Marines, we had this saying, you train like you fight and you fight like you train. Train like you fight and fight like you train. And see, the mindset behind that, the idea behind that is you don't wait until you're in the fight. You don't wait until you're in the war or the battle or the game, so to speak, to think like, train like, and act like you're already there. Because if you wait, if you slack, if you're not disciplined, if you're lazy, then you will never be ready. You'll never be ready. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for what you've done in our life, radically pursue, pursuing us and radically persevering through just the craziness of life, Jesus, and going to the, the cross for us. You are the ultimate example of one that has persevered for us. And it's all because you love us, God. Father, I pray that you resonate that into our hearts and into our minds. God, I pray that you flood our minds, our hearts, our thoughts with the things that you want us thinking about. Through this sermon, God, I pray that you open up our eyes, our ears to the things that you want us learning. I pray that it's more than just words that are spoken, words that are heard. I pray that it's a love language that is lived out, God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just flood this place right now. God, flood this very environment, our lives. Take over this sermon. Whatever you want to do, God, I pray that you just help us to feel you tangibly. Anoint this sermon. Speak through this broken vessel, Father. Break chains in our lives. Break chains in my life. Open our eyes, God. I pray all these things in your mighty and precious name, Jesus. Amen. 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 So the main text we're going to be in today is 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Let's dive in here. It says, Don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Will not be disqualified. So in Roman times, the city of Corinth, right here, it was known for luxury. It was known for its wealth and for its immorality. It was second to none as far as a city of vice, a city of immorality. And these guys were all about, again, wealth and luxury. Does this remind you of anybody today? Does this ring a bell? Anybody today? I mean, pop, perhaps our own nation here in America. Guys, here in America, we are, we are some of the most entitled. We're very wealthy and just essentially indulgent people, aren't we? We really are. We really are. It, we struggle with this so much. We're so blessed here in America. But, but we have this mindset. It's all about me. It's all about me. We take all these blessings that God has given us. And we just overindulge in things. We're entitled. We want more. It's all about me. What can I get? What can other people do for me? You know, and it's this mindset within our society, within our culture, where it's like, you know, don't, don't worry about other people. Don't worry about the impact it has on other people. Don't worry about the impact it even has on the society as a whole. Just think about yourself. Do what makes you feel good. 
Be whatever makes you feel good. Don't worry about anything else, anybody else. Just think about you. It's all about me, me, me. Very entitled people, aren't we, here in America? Man, it, it reminds me of that Disney song. I know you guys have heard it. When you wish upon a star makes no difference who you are. Anything your heart desires will come to you. Man, what if Hitler sang that song? I'm just saying, man. I, I mean, I know that's funny, but seriously, that song came out around 1940. It's not that crazy. This dude could have been singing that song. And I'm just saying, somebody want to find that star and shoot that thing down because you got some crazy people making some crazy wishes, thinking their dreams are going to come true, man. But seriously, it kind of makes you think, doesn't it? This idea, this concept, this mindset that we have. See, that's the mindset that this city and Corinth had, and that's the mindset that so many people here in America have. It's that mindset, very corrupt, all about me. The city of Corinth, it was also the, uh, the location of something called the Isthmian Games. And it was second only to the Olympic Games. So this was a huge thing. Everybody that Paul was writing to in this letter, they knew about these games. A lot of these people may have participated in them. And everybody knew about them. So he's writing this letter with those games in mind. Actually, it's even said a lot of theologians think that, that Paul perhaps even set up tents there because Paul was a, a tent builder. So he perhaps even set up tents there at some point. So Paul has been there. And uh, these games are huge. The athletes that compete, they don't just show up on game day thinking, all right, all right, I've been lazy. I've been eating a lot of Cheetos. I've been, eating, I've been watching a lot of TV. Of course, they didn't have TV back then. But I'm ready. I'm, I'm going to give it everything I've got today. Today is the day. I'm not going to be lazy today. Woo, I'm ready. They didn't do that, man. They didn't do that. They trained all the time, 24-7. These guys were diligent. They were disciplined. In fact, if they, there was a certain amount of time, I believe it was 10 months, if they did not train that amount of time diligently, diligently, 24-7, they were automatically disqualified. They had to train hard. They were watched. They had to train hard. There was no question about it. And if you wanted that prize, then you had to keep your eyes on the prize. And these guys knew what their goal was. They knew what their goals were. They knew what they were striving for. They knew what they were pushing for. And they kept their eyes on the prize relentlessly, radically. So let's, I want to kind of break this main text up into two different, different parts. I want to focus specifically on 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 25 here for a bit. I'm going to read this again. It says, Don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Now everyone who competes exercises self-control and everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown. But we, an imperishable crown. Now, now the runners that Paul's talking to, or uh, talking about rather, these are Christians. These are Christians. See, Paul is writing this letter to Christians. Right? So we, as Christians, we're all in a race. We're all running in a race. We're the runners he's talking about. But then he brings out this other word that kind of grabs our attention. It kind of causes us to perk up a little bit. He says this word, prize. Prize. Well, what's this word prize? Now, before we go any further, I want you guys to know, I want to make something clear here. At salvation, that's the beginning of the race. Salvation is just the beginning. But so many people, what they do is they run this race as casually as possible. As casually as possible. So they get salvation, right? I'm on the track. I'm running. I'm saved. So I'm on this track. But it's like, it's mindset. I'm going to run as casually as possible. I'm not going to break a sweat. I'm here. I made it. 
I'm on the track, man. I'm on the track. Shoot, I'm, I'm going to slow down a little bit. I'm starting to sweat. Woo. I'm going to run my back out. Look at that guy over there. Oh, my goodness. That guy's getting it. That looks like it's painful over there. My gosh, I ain't going to do that. Shoot. You go on with your bad self, but I ain't going to do that. I'm just going to keep on going casually. In fact, pull out my phone, take a little selfie. All right. And then all of a sudden, you get to heaven. You're just waiting until you get to heaven. You get to heaven, you're like, woo! I'm here. I'm here. High five, guys. High five. Dude, you got it out there. Man, gosh, you were like killing yourself. But hey, that's good. You, hey, we're all here. We made it. We made it. I'm here. I'm here. All right. That's what so many people, maybe even the vast majority of Christians do, isn't it? It's just casually as possible. Not getting outside of the comfort zones, staying in the, the lazy zones. In the lazy zones, rather than stepping out into the radical zones, as I like to call them. Isn't it? So many people. But here's the thing. I want you guys to get this. Here's the thing. Salvation is not the prize. Did you catch that? Salvation is not the prize. Salvation is a free gift of God, from God, a free gift of God's grace. So you cannot earn this free gift. A gift is given freely, and you could never earn God's gift of salvation. It's a gift. Ephesians 2.8 says, For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. Guys, a prize is something that's earned. It's something that's earned. God gives us the gift of grace. We could never earn that. So if salvation is not the prize, then it begs the question, well, what is the prize? I mean, it seems pretty important. What is this prize if it's not salvation? Well, let's go back to that, that runner there. The one that's just casually running along, right? He's in the race. He's casually running along until he just gets to heaven. Stays comfortable, as comfortable as possible until he gets to heaven. Well, guess what? That guy, while he's running, he's building up his treasures and his prizes here on earth. He's thinking about right now, I'm going to stay comfortable. I'm going to stay as comfortable as possible. I'm not going to do anything radical here. The prizes are earned in heaven, or I'm sorry, on earth. On earth, but that other runner that gave everything that he had, he knew what he was running for. He didn't get distracted by the things on earth. He knew what he was running for. No matter what happened, no matter how much he struggled, no matter how painful it was, his eye was on the prize. His prize was in heaven. His eyes were heaven bound. He wasn't focusing on a gift, on a prize. That's imperishable. That's why Paul talks about the imperishable versus the perishable. Because prizes here on earth, when we collect those, those are perishable. Those athletes, those athletes, those Olympians, they get these prizes. They get the, the gold medal. And back in the day, it was this crown, right? But those were perishable. You can't take those to heaven, man. You can't take those to heaven. That athlete, that, is, that's, that runner that's running diligently with everything that he has, he has eyes on heaven. He is running for eternity, not just for a prize that's going to last in this lifetime, but a prize that's going to last for eternity. Guys, we have a high calling because we are made for a high reward. Let me say that again. We have a high calling because we are made for a high reward, a reward that will last forever, forever. In 1 Corinthians 9.25, we also see something else mentioned. It's like another piece of the ingredient here. If we're going to radically persevere in this life, and that's self-control. Self-control. See, we have to understand that as Christians, we, we, we have liberties. We have liberties. We, we serve a very loving 
kind, merciful, patient God. He doesn't demand us to do things. He wants a relationship. He wants the heart. He doesn't demand us to do things. We have liberties. We can choose to pursue our own selfish desires if we want. We can choose to pursue those things. But see, Paul encourages us. He, he encourages us and, and, and exhorts us to pursue Christ, not these other things. Because when we pursue these other things, these sinful pleasures in life that we store up here on earth, it's never going to fulfill us. It's never going to bring us that satisfaction. All it does, it acts like this vortex. It sucks us in, right? Thinking, making all these promises. Like it's going to give you this. It's going to give you satisfaction. It's going to give you fulfillment. Just go ahead and grab this. Do this. Take this. Drink this. Whatever it may be. But all it ever does is leave you more empty. Wanting more. Needing more of it. And it sucks you in to that vortex, man. Sucks you into that vortex. Self-gratification only brings self-destruction. Self-gratification only brings self-destruction. It's only when we chase, we pursue Christ with everything that we have. Even if, regardless of what may come our way, no matter how bad it may get, persevering through thick and through thin, keeping our eyes on the prize, keeping our eyes heaven-bound. It might be hard right now, but I'm not focusing right now. I'm focusing on heaven. I'm focusing on Jesus. I might not feel Him in this moment, but I know He's here with me. No matter what, that's when you find your identity. That's when you find your fulfillment. That's when you find the peace and the comfort, even in the hard times. And our prizes, guys, they are not here we have blessings, but our ultimate prize is in heaven. Amen. It's in heaven. As Christians, we've been redeemed, guys. We've been redeemed. Praise God to that. For that. I mean, we have. When your name is in the Lamb's book of life, it can't be erased. It can never be erased. In other words, when you're saved, you are saved. And nothing can ever take that away. But again, we can still sin. We still have those, those liberties to sin. Right? We do sin is infested. It's infected our lives. We've invited it into our homes, into our families, into our churches, our jobs. Everywhere we go, there's no place on this earth that is untouched by sin. Nothing. Nothing. So what do we do about this sin problem? What can we do? I'm going to tell you what we do. We allow the God of the impossible to work in and through our lives. Instead of just meeting together, talking about God, talking about Jesus, hearing about Jesus, we actually allow Him to move in and through our lives, saying, I'm saved, but I'm not just going to be comfortable. I don't want to just casually walk in this race. I want to sprint after you with everything I have in complete abandonment. I want to just, just wreck my agendas, wreck my time frames, whatever it may be. Use me. Work in and through my life. Break down barriers in my life and other people's lives. Pursuing Christ with everything that we have in us, even if regardless of all, and persevering, radically persevering, keeping our eyes on the prize, regardless of what may come our way. This calls us to actually live Christ-centered lives. Christ-centered lives. It all comes down to living under the Lordship and the authority of Jesus Christ. Living under the Lordship and the authority of Jesus Christ. Matthew 6.24a says, No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. The question in our hearts should be, who is our master? Who is my master? Is it money? 
Is it wealth? Is it power? Is it pleasure? Is it myself? For me, it used to be myself. Or is it Jesus? Is it Jesus? When we live our lives in radical pursuit of Christ, then we will radically persevere. We will radically persevere because we know what our goal is. And we know what our prize is. So many Christians, we've lost sight of what our goal is, what our prize is. We, we just look for the first thing that comes in front of our face, the most tangible thing we can find, anything that we can get our hands on. We look for it. We grab it with everything that we have. And when we do this, we lose ourselves. We lose track of who we are and whose we are. We lose track of it. Our very identity, guys, we are made for so much more than the filth and the scraps that so, so many times we put into our body. We're made for so much more. We, again, have a high calling because we are made for a high reward. But I'm going to tell you guys something. You can't enjoy the feast when you have filled yourselves up on filth and scraps. Let me say that again. You cannot enjoy the feast when you have filled yourself up on filth and scraps. God has so many rewards and blessings for us waiting just around the corner. And the biggest prizes, the biggest blessings are in heaven. When we finally see Jesus face to face, face to face, the question we have to ask ourselves is, what am I living for? What am I personally living for? Am I living for my life to get as much out of it as I can, focusing on me, my desires, my needs, focusing all about on me, or are we focusing on Christ? Guys, don't, don't waste your life under Satan's lie of procrastination. Where he says, you got so much time. Don't even worry about it. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't, don't break a sweat. Because I'm going to tell you something. All that's going to do, all that lie leads to, is a life. At the end of your life, you look back and you feel completely unfulfilled, empty, and unsatisfied. Satan wants to give us promises, lure us in, so we feel even more empty than we did before. That's all he does. In order to pursue our true source of fulfillment and satisfaction, it requires us to pursue Christ, even if regardless of all. And again, if we pursue Christ regardless, radically, then we will radically persevere because we know what we are running. Because our eyes are on the prophecy. I want to check out the last two verses in this text here. 1 Corinthians 9, 26 through 27. It says, so I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Discipline means giving up the good and the better for the best. Giving up the good and the better for the best. So we have to ask ourselves, what is the best thing for me to do in this situation? How is the, what is the best way that I can minister to this person? What is the best way that I can minister to my family, to my church? What is the best response in this situation? Giving up the good and the better for the best. Because we're not called to strive for perfection. I want to make that clear. We're not, we're not called to strive for perfection. Only Jesus is perfect. We can't be perfect, but we are called to strive for excellence. Giving Christ our best giving his people our best 
giving it everything that we have when we are on that track, that journey, that Christian life, giving our best, striving for excellence in everything that we do. Not perfection, excellence, striving for Christ. The literal meaning of these words when, it's, when Paul says, I discipline my body, in this text here, I discipline my body, it means I enslave it. I enslave it. See, so many people are slaves to their body. Their body tells them what to do. These desires, these compulsions. And I remember that back when I was struggling, one of the things I struggled with, with was addiction. And my, my body just craved it so much, it was like I felt like I had no control. It told me what to do. And so often in life, there's so many different things in our life that we go through where our body enslaves us. But the thing is, guys, we have the power of God inside of us. We have the power of God inside of us. And when we tap into that power, when we say, God, here I am, use me. Use me. Help me. It's going to be hard, but I'm going to tell you something. You're able, rather than your body enslaving you, you are able to enslave your body. Amen. So rather than it telling you what to do, you tell it to what to do. Amen. You say, you move when I tell you. I am no longer a slave to you. You are a slave to me. And not because of what I've done. It's because of the power that's inside of me. It's because of what Jesus Christ has done in my life. That's how we're able to enslave our body. That's how we're able to discipline ourselves. Because of Him. And this requires spiritual training and discipline on a consistent basis. Not a Sunday morning, hour and a half basis. A consistent basis consistent basis. And, and spiritual training, guys, it's not limited to, you know, reading the Bible, uh, your quiet time, or uh, praying, uh, fasting, all these other things. Those things are great. Don't get me wrong. You have to have those. They're imperative. They're imperative. But sometimes the most spiritually disciplined, sometimes the, the best thing that you could possibly do is take a nap. Take a nap and relax. I mean, honestly, I'm, all, I'm, I'm never going to sleep. I'm just going to read my Bible and pray all the time. Well, you're going to be worthless. You ain't going to be worth <laughs> nothing, man. Or take a vacation with your family. Kick back. Or here's one. Here's one. How about taking your spouse on a date? And all the ladies said, hallelujah. I haven't heard that. <laughs> you are welcome. You guys are writing that down. No other notes but that one. Look right there. Look what he said. <laughs> honestly, though. It is. Sometimes those are some of the most spiritual, no, some of the most, um, the best, most disciplined things that we could do in our spiritual walk. A personal trainer and a former bodybuilder was once interviewed, and he said in the interview, he was talking about how um, these people, these guys will come into the gym sometimes, and, and they'll, uh, you know, because he's still a personal trainer, and these guys will think, man, in about two months, I'm going to be jacked. I'm going to be jacked. Like, Little twigs or overweight or whatever else. Like, yeah, two months. I'm going to be ready for, for the, the beach, man. And, you know, I'm going to be like, you know, all buff and, you know, jacked arms. And, and he's like, what these guys don't get is the guys they see on TV or the guys at the competition. This guy was former Mr. Missouri. So he knew a thing or two about this. He was like, those guys, this is a lifestyle. This is a lifestyle. Everything that they do, it's 24-7. Everything, the things they put in their body, the decisions they make. Am I going to do or am I going to do that? Am I going to go out with my, with my friends tonight and hang out? Or do I need to make sure I get rest tonight? What do I do? Everything they do is all centered around their competition. 
or their goals. Everything, 24-7. It's not simply in the gym. It's every aspect of our lives, God, guys. And when we are striving, when we are running with excellence, with that goal on our mind, that vision, we know what our prize is. Striving for excellence, it has to be 24-7, consistent. It has to be. But let's be honest here. A lot of times, man, it's not easy, is it? Life is hard, isn't it? Mine is, at least. I don't know. If you guys got perfect lives, you guys can tell me what to do because, I mean, my goodness, my life is hard a lot of times. It really is. It is not easy to be disciplined. It's not easy to persevere all the time. Sometimes we feel like God doesn't care, like he's forgotten about us. It's like, God, what, what about what I wanted you to do? What about this prayer, what I wanted you to do, and when I wanted you to do it? But what happens is we forget that it's not about what we want or when we want it. And thank God it's not about what we want or when we want it, because our lives would be a whole lot messier than they are now, wouldn't it? Thank God I am not God and I am not in control, because that would be horrible. Thank God. It's not about us, guys. It's not about us. And a lot of times we'll feel like God has withdrawn from us. You ever get those feelings like God has withdrawn from you? We'll, we'll be going through these times when we feel Him so tangible, so euphorically. And you feel like you can take on the world. It's like, yes! I'm going I'm to go climb up on that building and just declare the name of Jesus. This is awesome. You just feel Him so tangibly, so euphorically in those moments. But what God will do is He will kind of withdraw. He'll withdraw. And it's not Him. It's that feeling that euphoric feeling that he'll withdraw. He's always with you. He's always inside of you. But what he does is he withdraws that feeling, that euphoric feeling, so it's only you and your faith. He's leaving you to stand on your own two legs. He's still with you, but you don't feel like he's with you. Because I'm going to tell you something. Integrity is not built when you think everybody is around you, when you can feel God inside of you, when people can hear you. It's when people can't hear you. It's when you think nobody else is around, when you feel like God has left you, it's you and your faith. What do you do in those moments? That's what builds integrity. That's what builds Christian character. And that's why God does that. It's in the tough times, in the hard times, when we feel like He's not answering our prayers, when we can't feel Him, in those, those euphoric feelings that we get. That's when He builds us the most. And guys, a lot of times we forget that there is a bigger plan in motion. There is a bigger plan in motion than just me and you. God has a plan to redeem this fallen, broken world and every person that will respond to the gospel message. It is so much bigger than just me and you and our struggles, our needs, our desires. Sometimes we get so focused on our struggles and our needs, our desires. And we're like, we blame God. We get mad at God. Why am I going through this? God, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. But we forget that, as James says, this life is like vapor, man. It's here one moment, and then it's gone the next. There is a bigger picture in, 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 in the process. There is something in motion right now. It's bigger than just us. It's so much bigger. Because a lot of times, God will use those struggles and those pains Sometimes the struggles and the pains that we're going through, they're caused by our own sinful actions 
and pursuing our sinful actions, the things that we want, rather than pursuing God. A lot of times that's what's going on. And you've got to give God time to pick you up out of the pit that you dug yourself. Give Him time to move. But then too, what happens sometimes is God will use the struggles and the pains in your life. Because again, there is a bigger picture here. Again, James says this life is like vapor. Here one second, then gone the next. It's like, I mean, we have this tiny people perspective. All we see is this. And it seems so hard, like it's never going to end. It's never going to end. But just around the corner is the end of this life and the beginning of the next. You're almost there. And God sometimes uses those struggles, those pains, what the heartaches, whatever it is that you're going through to minister to other people that don't know Him, that aren't promised that eternity and that future with Him. So that way you guys can step into the promised land together. He uses those things. It's not just about me and about you and about our struggles, our wants, our needs, our desires. There's a bigger plan and motion. So often we get so focused on the fact that we're hungry now. And we go looking for crumbs and the dirt when God's got our feast waiting for us just around the next corner. Just around the next corner. Guys, I know it's hard. I know you get tired. But I'm going to tell you something. God is always right there with you. He is always there with you. He never leaves you. No matter what is going on in your life, don't give up. Don't give up. Never give up. Because I'm going to tell you something. Jesus Christ never gives up on you. He doesn't call us to do anything that He hasn't done Himself. Think of Christ and what He has done for us. Coming to the earth. Persevering through everything. Even the cross for us. And we don't do it by ourselves. We don't do it by ourselves. We're not alone, guys. We're not alone. And there's a bigger picture. There are so many people that are lost, that are hurting out there. And God's, the overall theme of the Bible is God's redemptive plan for the people that He loves without measure. Not just me and you. Everyone that will respond to the gospel message. Everyone. Guys, let's give God time to move in our lives. Regardless of what may be going on in our life. Let's abandon our peephole-sized perceptions about what I want, what I need, the struggles that are going on in my life, and let's allow the God of the universe to work in and through our lives to minister to ourselves, to other people around us. Let's radically pursue Christ with everything that we have in us, regardless of all, persevering, knowing what we are running for, knowing what our goal is, keeping our eyes on the prize, heaven bound, heaven bound, knowing that we are just a couple steps away from glory. Just a couple steps. We're right there. Because it's about Him and His kingdom. Not just about us. Somebody that knew a whole lot about persevering is the same guy that wrote this text, 1 Corinthians, that we're reading here. I want to check out, I want us to check out what this guy went through. It's found in 2 Corinthians 11, 23-28. This is Paul. And this is Paul talking here. He wrote this down and he wrote this about himself. Let's check this out. Are they servants of Christ? I'm talking like a madman. I'm a better one with far more labors, many more imprisonments, far worse beatings, many times near death, 
Five times I received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I, I, spent, I spent a night and a day in the open sea on frequent journeys. I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers. Toil and hardships, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and without clothing, not to mention other things. And there's also the daily pressure on me, my concerns for all the churches. And he had several churches that he had planted. And he didn't have jets and cars back then. So after all of this, everything that this guy went through, and there was so much more than that too. This is just a little picture, a snapshot. He went through so much more than that. After everything that this man went through, what was his mindset at the end? What was his mindset at the end? Let's check out 2 Timothy 4, 7. And this is Paul. He's imprisoned at this point. He, spent, he was imprisoned several times. And at this point, he's in prison, and he's uh, waiting his impending martyrdom, martyrdom, if I could talk. So he's about to die here soon. And he knows that. And uh, he says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Let me read that again. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul had his eyes on the prize. He knew what he was running for. He knew what he was running for. <clears throat> Paul lived a life saying, God, use me. Regardless of my concerns, regardless of my struggles, no matter how bad it may be in the moments, I know what I'm running for. Help me, God, use me, work in my life, work through my life. Help me to radically pursue Christ with everything that I have in me, regardless of what may come my way, even if. And he was able to persevere because, again, he knew what his goal was. He knew what his prize was. And his eyes were heaven-bound. Heaven-bound. Guys, we are ready. We are ready as Christians. We are able as Christians. Every single one of us as Christians are ready and we are able. And it's not because of our own strength. It's because of God's strength. It's not because of our own wisdom. It's because of God's wisdom. And it's not because we know which direction to go. I don't know which direction to go. Seems like the majority of the time. But God knows which direction to go. He knows which direction to go. And He is directing our path. He's directing our path. Guys, let's radically pursue Christ with everything we have. Allowing Him to move in and through our persevering through thick and through thin, keeping our eyes on the prize, heaven bound, saying, I know where I'm going. I know where I'm headed. And I'm going to love on, I'm going to encourage, I'm going to minister to, and I'm going to take as many people as I possibly can with me along the journey. Because we know what our prize is. And nothing's going to stop me because I have the power of God living inside me and He's leading me all the way home. He's leading us home. Worship team, if you guys could come on up.
has never forget that as Christians we radically persevere by keeping our eyes on the prize. Never take your eyes off the prize. Never take your eyes off Jesus. Because Jesus never takes his eyes off you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this time that you've given us together. We thank you for the fact that you have radically pursued and radically persevered for us, for our sake. You are the ultimate example of someone who has radically persevered for us by dying on the cross, regardless of all, even if. Father, I thank you so much. Jesus, I thank you so much. Teach us what it means to radically pursue you. Teach us what it means to radically persevere, to keep our eyes on the prize. Keep us focused, laser focus on you. I pray that you use us, work in and through us. Help us to abandon our time schedules, our, our um, desires, our needs, whatever it is, Father. Use us. Help us to not hold back from you because, God, we know that you don't hold back from us. Break chains, break walls, break shackles in our lives on a consistent basis, not just when at salvation, God, but we pray this is a consistent basis. And not just so that we get impacted by it, but so that so many other people around us can be impacted by what you've done in and through our lives and in and through our church. I pray all these things in your mighty and precious name, Jesus.